You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on the offseason, start of it for the New Orleans Pelicans after their season ended in five games to the Golden State Warriors in the second round of the playoffs. It was a good, good season. I think we can all say that. We're going to marinate on that for a little bit. And just kind of let it chill as we kind of dive into some other topics before the podcast hits three days a week and I get a little bit of a break. But we still have a lot to cover. So today's episode, we're going to look at the roadmap for the offseason. What's coming up next? Where do the Pelicans go from here? Just kind of laying it all out so you know some of the things that we'll be getting into over the next couple weeks and months as well. We're going to take a look at the award winners and who I think should win the awards. Yep, it's my opinion. I'm going to throw them all out there for you on who should win all of the NBA. NBA awards and then take a quick look just quick we're not going to dive in too deep to this Warriors and Houston series I think it's going to be a lot of fun and Vegas has the Warriors as big favorites I'll let you guys know if I agree or disagree with that in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans so as I said we're going to let the regular season the postseason and the end of the season here just kind of chill for the rest of the week maybe we'll dive into some things with it tomorrow but for the most part just enjoy it be happy it was a good year there's no other way to look at it than that and I really think that's how the Pelicans look at it inside as well you had Ms. Benson um, send out a statement today talking about how she's thrilled with this she thinks they're all on the right path and now it leads to the offseason and the direction that this team's going to take because there's going to be a lot of things they need to do even before you get to DeMarcus Cousins and free agency and all of that. So we got a number of things coming up on the NBA schedule, starting with the 2018 Draft Combine, which is going on May 16th through May 20th. They don't invite a ton of names, and this isn't usually the biggest thing because, frankly, you know, a lot of these guys skip it. it it's not as just kind of well-worn and drawn out and everything like that um, as much as, say, the NFL Combine is. Um, and so it's, it's not that big of a deal. And with the Pelicans not having a first round pick, maybe not as important, but there's a couple of players worth keeping an eye on there, which we'll do so once we find out how the workouts go and everything. And these are starting to get going very, very shortly with all of that. And don't forget Melvin Frazier of Tulane. Now my employer and alma mater as well is going to be there. So we're going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to try and see what we can do maybe to see if we can get him on the podcast, something like that. I'm asking, trying to pull some strings. You also have the lottery starting on on May 15th as well. Again, not as important for the Pelicans since they're without a first round pick, but it's worth watching because, you know, you've got some teams that might get the top pick that could impact the Pelicans a little bit, particularly the Memphis Grizzlies, who sit at 19.9% of getting the number one pick and a 55.8% chance of getting a top three pick. That's important because they do get Conley back. They're going to have Gasol back as well. And that could mean that that team makes a quick return if they get an impact guy right away right now the top three four five and stuff with the draft lottery it's the phoenix suns the grizzlies the mavericks the hawks the magic kings bulls and then the cavaliers actually have a two and a half percent chance by the brooklyn nets uh pick which came from the boston celtics then you've got the knicks 
and then the Lakers who can't actually have their first round pick, followed by the Charlotte Hornets, the Pistons who also won't get theirs, the Clippers, and then the Denver Nuggets. So that's your draft uh, lottery order. That's going to be on May 15th, the combine starting shortly after that, basically the next day. So the 16th. So those are the first two big things coming up. But that, again, doesn't impact the Pelicans nearly as much since they don't have a first round pick in this year's NBA draft. After that, you get the actual NBA draft, which isn't for about another month or so, and that's going to be June 21st. In between the combine, the lottery, and the draft, you'll hear of a lot of players visiting other teams. These are where things get really interesting. By net, we'll, we should hopefully have it leaked who was invited to the Pelicans for private workouts. That might give you an, eye, uh, an idea of who they're targeting with a second-round pick. I think a lot of us are going to be hoping for Melvin Frazier. He's expected to be maybe a top 30 um, ranked player, but being a junior, I don't know if that's going to make him go in the first round of the NBA draft. So you might see him fall and could be there. Again, I think I'm being a little selfish here, but I think all of us here in New Orleans would find that very, very cool. So the Thursday is going to be the NBA draft. That's a day we'll definitely keep an eye on because the Pelicans have that second round pick. And for some reason, I just don't see them selling it for cash this year, knowing you're going to be near capped out, maybe paying the luxury tax. That's going to come up in a second here. And that that might be a very important player for you to at least maybe develop for the future, cost controlled and all of that. That's going to be big. After the the draft is the fun day. And that's July 1st, 12.01 a.m. So basically midnight um, of July 1st when the clock switches over, the calendar switch over, NBA free agency starts. And we all know the big question with that here in New Orleans. Do you resign to Marcus Cousins or not? And if you do, is it a max deal? Is it five years? Is it going to be something less than that? We don't need to dive into it today, but I'll have all the numbers on what his contract would entail at kind of any uh, level of this, a max deal, a non-max deal, a short-term deal. How does that affect the Pelicans cap situation in the future? We're going to have a ton of talk about this. We have to, and it's worth having. And the question of whether, you know, should they resign him or not? I don't think it's as cut and dry as a lot of people would like, or at least I think you can make a valid argument on either side of it. Even the side that says don't resign him, even though you still don't have cap space to spend with how that works. So of course, we'll break down all the numbers and everything like we did for Drew Holiday last summer. I know that was really popular for everyone wanting to know all of that. Maybe I'll share my cap spreadsheet with you all one day. So that'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have tons of debates with that. I'm going to bring people in on who want to discuss it on all sides. We'll play some devil's advocate and everything like that. So those are the big days upcoming for New Orleans. The draft stuff, not as important without a first round pick, but free agency certainly with DeMarcus Cousins is going to be important. But don't forget, there's a number of other guys here that New Orleans is going to have to look to re-sign or not re-sign. You got Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo, that's a very important one there too, obviously. Though he didn't play in the fourth quarter of game five, they said it was due, or really the second half, a groin injury that they didn't want to aggravate. Also, might have been just the good move to do anyway because he was kind of killing you defensively in there. But still, he's a guy that you would like to bring back, certainly. Then you've got to look to see if maybe they want to try and make a signing trade, something like that, to bring some more talent here. If they can attract a guy like Paul George, maybe. Could it happen? Again, we're going to talk about all of that and everything as well. You've got Ian Clark who's going to be out there as a free agent. Can you move Solomon Hill? Can you move each one more to bring in some more talent? Anything like that. And are there any veterans who might sign a minimum deal contract here with New Orleans or take a pay cut in some capacity to help get them over the hump and maybe make them a dark horse contender for the NBA Finals next season? 
Also, that will always be covered on Locked On NBA as well. All of these topics and more, everything you want to know what's about what's going on around the association, around the league as a whole, make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked On NBA. All right, let's have some fun. Let's move on. That's just the roadmap, and that's all the things we are going to cover here. So just keep an eye out for it because you're going to want to know about all of this. But we've got awards coming up, and these are going to be given out at the end of season award show, whatever day it is. It was terrible last year. I like the way they used to do it, basically, where you just kind of announce it throughout the playoffs. But they want to make a big deal about this. I'm assuming Drake is going to be involved in some capacity. You make a whole big deal. I won't watch it, and I will just find out after the fact. So let's run down some of the awards here. And should we just start at the top, or should we? No, let's mix it up. Let's kind of go bottom up. Executive of the year. I think you've got two guys you can look at for this award, and that's really it. And that's Danny Ainge and Daryl Morey. And if I had to pick one, it'd be Daryl Morey. You had the Houston Rockets finish with the best record in the NBA, the one seed in the Western Conference, yes, over the Golden State Warriors. And they were 65-17 and this year. That is a hell of a record in the regular season. They're into the conference finals, though. These are all done prior to the playoffs. You don't really, you can't really factor in any playoff performance with that. You know, they've just built a perfect team for Mike D'Antoni, for James Harden. You added Chris Paul in with a sign-and-trade move to get him here after you sold him on the idea. You've brought in the right role players and everything. They've just got a very, very good team. And while Ainge had a good year in Boston, bringing in Kyrie Irving, signing Gordon Hayward, and all of that, Again, those guys missed some time. I think you didn't get to see that team fully, what they could be, which I think hurts them there a little bit. But Maury's been building to this for a very long time at this point, and I think it'd be wrong to give it to anyone else. That's my vote for executive of the year. Coach of the year is going to be a bit interesting. You got Brad Stevens, Quinn Snyder, um, Dwayne Casey. I think you'll see uh, Alvin Gentry get some votes for that as well. You've got Nate McMillan in Indiana. You've got a number of guys you really could give this to. Um, Terry Stotts over in in Portland. Steve Kerr always should be up there for how well that team plays. D'Antoni also. Again, I think you could give this to almost half of the coaches in the league, and it wouldn't be a bad choice. But for my money, if I had to pick, I'd go with Dwayne Casey for Coach of the Year over in Toronto. And he might be fired, so this is kind of funny when this happens. But we've seen this happen before, which happened to um, George Carl over in Denver, also under the same GM, um, by the way, in Toronto. So that's going to be interesting. That's twice now that Ujiri will have done that. But anyway, Dwayne Casey would be my pick, mainly because he has that Toronto team had it's past tense now, playing such a different style of basketball from what they used to do. You know, no more mid-range DeMar. You had them shooting threes, taking shots at the rim, playing a selfless style of ball, no more isolations, team basketball, passing around, a lot of things like that. They went completely against what they've always done there for the past number of years, and he did it in just one offseason to retool this team, give them a new identity, get them to the best record in the Eastern Conference, the number one seed. And again, you don't factor in playoffs to these decisions, so I'm not going to hold the sweep against him there. You know, again, Brad Stevens is a good choice. We know what they've dealt with the injuries and being the two seed. Quinn Snyder's done a hell of a job over in Utah, getting them to where they finished um, overall in the regular season behind a tremendous defense and injuries. You know, without injuries, they might have gone even further than that. I think, you know, Alvin Gentry and his credentials for all of this, obviously, but I'd give it to Dwayne Casey for such, you know, the different style of play in the number one seed and really looking like they were going to be a legitimate contender to get to the NBA Finals. I'm not going to say win it. 
Um, but that's who I would give it to. And he's likely going to get fired here. Sixth man of the year. I think this is just probably going to be unanimous. It's Lou Williams with the Los Angeles Clippers. Coming off the bench, he played 79 games, only 19 starts. So that's, what, 60 games off the bench right there. Average 22.6 points per game, five assists. That's going to do it for you as well. Shot almost 36% from three, making two and a half per game. He had a very good year overall. I think you had to like that. Just score off the bench. That's who's going to win that um, six man of the year award. Most improved. This is also probably just going to be a clean sweep across the board for Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers, and that's who I would pick. I don't even think, again, that it's really much of a question. This is a guy who averaged 23.1 points per game. Indiana finished, what was it? I want to say it was fifth. Fifth in the Eastern Conference with a 48-34 and record, and he was the guy that carried them. Yeah, you got to give a lot of credit there to Nate McMillan. But all of a sudden, Oladipo jumped from 15.9 points per game to 23.1 with just uh, you know about a half-minute increase in playing time. That is tremendous what he was able to do. Turnovers were under three per game. He averaged all over five rebounds per game, four assists. He did this shooting 70, or 37.1% from deep shooting just uh you know 47.7 percent overall from the floor he was great he got to the line he did everything you could have asked for him and that's such an improvement and they were such a surprise i don't think this is really going to be anyone other than oladipo for this award here so moving on defensive player of the year you guys know my thoughts on this one I'd give it to Anthony Davis. I think the best ability is availability. And Davis did such a good job defending the rim with the block shots, the steals, and everything you could ask for him while doing it all over the court. That comes from playing power forward too, not just center. While Joel Embiid was great, Davis is right up there with him in numbers and beats him in most categories. Rudy Gobert is likely the guy who's going to win. I don't like it when you miss 30% of the regular season to give you an award. Yes, their on-off splits with him on the court versus off for the Utah Jazz with Gobert are amazing. They're nuts. He wins every kind of advanced, you know, sabermetric type of stat here when it comes to measuring defense, none of which are great, and I'm not a huge fan of any of them, really, to be honest. But he did. He does, and it's not even close, and I think that's really going to carry him. And you could see he was the key to them winning games versus not winning games. But when you can do it for as many games as Anthony Davis did, I think that gives you an edge. He played well more than both of those guys by at least 1,000 minutes. I'd give it to Anthony Davis. I might be a bit homerish on it here. But again, I like a guy who played most of the season and did such a damn good job too that it comes to splitting hairs with some of these guys. So I'm going to give it to the guy who was on the court. That's Honest to God, my only argument for doing it over Rudy Gobert was that he just didn't play enough. If Gobert plays 75% of the games... Yeah, I'd probably give it to him, and that's how good he was. But again, the best ability is availability, and I think that's a rather important thing. The real race here, we'll save that one for last. Let's do MVP next. It's James Harden. We know this, right? We don't need to, to dive into this one anymore. 30.4 points per game, hitting just every single thing you could want from him, shooting 36.7% from three, making almost four a game, shooting 45% from the field overall, getting to the free throw line a freaking astonishing 10 times per game. Yeah, they're cheap. That's fine. 8.8 assists per game, 5.4 rebounds. I don't know what else you want. He was tremendous all year. He's going to be the MVP. I would assume it's going to be unanimous. You could make cases for LeBron. You could make cases for a number of guys, including Anthony Davis. And Davis might finish two or three for that award. But I mean, it's Harden. We've been wanting to give it to him all year. So I'll just go ahead and give it to him right now. 
the real fun one is going to be rookie of the year. And you guys know the beef between Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. And these are the only two guys it's going to potentially be. And I don't think you can go wrong picking either, to be honest. I think they're really close when it comes to each of them. Both have had tremendous runs during the season. They both struggled at times during the season, too. Ben Simmons averaging just some absolutely eye-popping numbers. Let me share those with you guys here. Uh, Simmons averaged 15.8 points per game, 8.2 assists, and 8.1 rebounds per game. Getting very close to averaging a triple-double across the board. Doesn't shoot as well. Doesn't take threes. Isn't phenomenal with a jumper but lives at the rim so he's got an astonishingly high um 54.5 percent uh field goal percentage that's really good and he's just been tremendous again he's done everything basically playing point forward and point guard for this Sixers team throughout the season who by the way finished with the third best record in the Eastern Conference at 52 wins that's a tremendous accomplishment but the Utah Jazz finished with 48 48 and 34, and their rookie is going to be a goddamn stud here in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell, 20.5 points per game, 3.7 assists, 3.7 rebounds, also one and a half steals. Simmons, by the way, steals. Let me take a quick look at that because I'm kind of curious now as we're talking about it. 1.7, so they're close right there. But you've also got to factor in that Donovan Mitchell has a gorgeous stroke from deep. The guy shot. Um, seven three-point attempts per game, making 2.4. So 34%, not bad, not amazing, but he got it going late. He was their leading scorer on a team that had no other offense whatsoever, really. The next closest score was 13.5 points per game for him um, With uh, in Rudy Gobert. You had Rodney Hood, but he ended up being traded at 16.8 and was only playing 27 minutes per game. Gobert, basically their second leading score at 13 and a half. It, you know, Mitchell carried them offensively for most of the season. I, I don't think you can go wrong either way. They both had times during the playoffs where they looked good, times when they didn't look good either. Um, so if there was a way to split this, I would, if I have to pick, and I guess since we're doing this, I have to, I'm probably going to go Ben Simmons. He really was impactful for that Philly team. So was Donovan Mitchell. It's not a knock on him. I think just across the board, Simmons was a little bit better. But if there was a way to split this, and there really isn't, I would probably do a joint Rookie of the Year award. So those are the awards I have for you guys. Just kind of run them down. Let me know on Twitter, at NolaJake, if you agree or disagree with all of that. And I've gone long now that we talked about all of that. So we'll do this next segment in a moment very quickly here. But first, make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com, the .com site, the companion site to the podcast daily. We're going to have a lot of content and coverage going over kind of that roadmap that I said in the beginning, letting you know what's going on this offseason. Kill some time at work. Go and listen and read, read LockedOnPelicans.com. So like I said, I went long. I want to wrap this up really quickly, but I do want to touch on this Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors series, the series we've all been waiting for. Yeah, we were. We'd have liked the Pels in there, but I think we've been waiting for this all season long, and I think this is going to be a lot of fun. But because it's going to be fun, I'm not sure that it's going to be a close series. I think Golden State is the heavy favorite for a reason. And I think they're going to maybe take this to six games, which can be a long series, but it also might not be that long. Who knows? But I think Golden State has a clear advantage. Houston can do some things, and they're the one team in the league that's not afraid to go toe-to-toe with the Golden State Warriors in a three-point shooting contest. But that can sometimes fade, and can you get other offense going? And yeah, Harden and Compella are a dangerous one-two combination. You throw Chris Paul and his mastery, the pick-and-roll in there as well. But... 
Golden State is so good defensively. They've got a big that can take out Capella, playing him one-on-one, that allows the rest of their team to kind of do their thing, to clamp down on shooters, to use their length to bother Harden and Paul in the pick and roll. And I think when you look at this Houston offense with the lack of ball movement and the kind of one-dimensional weird isolation ball that they play, and it's been written about, give it a quick read um, and just search it around uh, about how they play iso ball, but kind of a weird, almost strange version of it. And I think it's interesting, but I think that's not going to work against a very, very good defensive team that just started playing some of the best defense in the league, unfortunately, against New Orleans. So when you get them in the half court, if they're not running, I wonder if they're going to be able to keep up with the Golden State Warriors or if you're going to see that length bother them like it bothered the Pelicans. So, like I said, quickly talking about that series. So, Thank you all for listening to Locked on Pelicans. We will be going to three days a week next week. Let me know the schedule you guys want. I'm thinking we're not going to do Friday podcast because just honestly, those numbers aren't as good as the rest of the week. And it gives me a three-day weekend, so that's fun. And then some of the other things with it, we can go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We can go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We could also do Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And then if you guys want to hear my voice, you can listen to the, that's a weird thing to say, actually. You can listen to the Locked On NBA podcast at Wednesday. So it kind of has it four days a week for you guys if you want that. So let me know. I've got a poll up on Twitter right now. Might go off that, might not. We'll just kind of play it by ear and see how we feel. But it'll be three days a week next week as we kind of ease into the off season. Of course, there'll be emergency pods, things like that if anything comes up. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 